Hello and welcome to the Round Review brought to you by Footy Live. And Round 5 is in the books after an extended weekend of Easter Footy. So that means it's time to dissect it by two sports mates at Footy Live. It's Nick Lorimino and Gorda Hunter Meredith. Nicholas, Round 5 was like a box of chocolates. Did you get more enjoyment from the footy or your Easter presents? I suspect oh, it's, it's hard to compare. It's hard to compare when you get a nice big box of chocolates. But or a big I win. Think an Easter Monday win against the Cats gets pretty close, I think. So yes, it was a very good weekend. It was for you, Gordo. You didn't do much for Easter. You don't. You don't look like a man who celebrates many holidays. Uh, no, I keep it all pretty low key, to be honest. But um, we had a very uh, socialist. Easter weekend, we did an Easter egg hunt, but you had to hunt down specific things. So everyone got one of eight different items. Oh, wow. Who was involved in that? Uh, it was uh, the in-law's mother organised that for us. Oh. And it was a very you know, equal, equal, equalised and equitable <laughs> Easter egg hunt. Uh, unlike this weekend of footy, which was uh, quite unequal. And uh, it apparently it's already, it's already sorted the ladder. So we can just give up. We can just hit snooze until September, apparently. Apparently, according to, according our- to who? Most of the media, apparently. Most of the media. You don't like the media, Gorda. Well, this I is don't. your chance to get back at him because you'll start with a hero. Who was the hero? And I, I presume that none of the uh, mainstream media outlets picked the same hero as you. I haven't listened to everything and everything. No. I haven't read everything that's been written, but I presume Tabner got his props, and so we should because mm, did. for some reason, and we deal with some people like this, they just love bags. I just love big bags of goals. That is big bags of goals. Oh, and uh, Tabner kicked seven straight, seven straight. Hard to look yeah. past that. That's a big. That's a big Easter bag haul. It is. And doesn't um, happen often. Doesn't happen often. And great start to the season for him. Eleven goals, two kicking it straight, kicking it accurate. Anyway, had a hundred percent possession accuracy as well. And um, you know. Was it an easy win for Frio? I'm not quite sure because like coming that. into the into the round, we said that was a 50-50 game. That was a tip a tipping comp did. winner potential. So not a lot of people trusted Frio. I think you can trust them a little bit more after this win when they dismantle the Bombers, mm. albeit we'll get to the Bombers in good due course, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think finals are now very real for Frio. And as everyone knows who listens to this, I've been on the Frio bandwagon for a long time. I'm hoping to arrive at the final station. I think this is the year that we arrive. We arrive. People on this train, not the Freeman Football Club. Uh, and um, branded yourself a Freeo supporter. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy a membership. Why not? And yeah, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see if how it finals. You've got to buy a membership in Shellers. That's fine. I feel it's like a punishment for being right, but that's okay. No, I was just spending <laughs> extra money. You don't really need to, but yeah, no, yeah. fair enough. But yeah, Tabner, my hero. Well done. Great to see forwards kicking straight, especially this year where apparently forwards have died and lost their accuracy and. So on and so forth. Yeah. No, look, I thought that was a good one. I've loved Matty Tabernard. I think the past two years he's featured in my hero section quite a bit, especially on the in the written form of it. I, I love his hands. Got great hands. Good mark. And he's, look, sometimes he's hit and miss. Um, but seven straight in the weekend was fantastic. I think if he can get a little bit more consistent with his actual finished product, the goal kicking, because his mark's great. And I think he reads mm. the ball really well. I really love him. So I think it was a fantastic win. But at the same time, SM were equally as poor and they allowed Freya to run over the top in that third term. Uh, Freya do look good. Uh, people are getting a little bit carried away. I mean, they beat Adelaide round one by point. Adelaide started pretty shocking. Then there was St. Kilda they beat. They beat a West Coast team that's basically a waffle side. They beat GWS who were hopeless, and they got over Essendon who were pretty hopeless as well. But this is how you make funnels, Jimmy. No, 100%. You make funnels by beating the teams below you. Exactly. And, like, Like they're going to finish, yeah, yeah, seventh, sixth, eighth, whatever. They'll play funnels. 
they going to win the premiership? No. Mm. No, but they'll play finals. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you can only, um, like we always say, you can only beat who's in front of you. But I'd like to see them against uh, Carlton, which we get an opportunity to see that next week. Then they've got Geelong. So those two matches are going to, we're going to learn a lot about Frio, but I like that one, Gordo. Very good from you. Nicholas, um, mm. you're a big Hawks man, but you're not very biased. So surely you wouldn't have picked a Hawthorne player as your hero yeah, this week. Yeah. Surely not. To be honest, Jimmy, I really tried not to. Um, <laughs> I was looking around because uh, you guys picked your heroes before me and I was looking over the run sheet and there wasn't many left. And I just felt like I didn't want to sell a Hawthorne player short when well, you've one of them the was past. a clear stand, standout. And that was um, that was Tom Mitchell because he had 10 disposals to halftime or somewhere around that region. And Hawthorne had lost their ruckman in Ned Reeves, uh, so he didn't have a ruckman for the second half. Nasty Started incident, to lose the contest it, a bit. Hey. Did you get emotional when you saw that? It was a nasty incident. It was nasty. Um, yeah, it was. It was. It wasn't nice to see. It wasn't pretty at all. Um, but yeah, Geelong started to get on top, and then Mitchell, after having ten disposals in the first half, he comes out and has fifteen alone in the third quarter. Finishes with uh, thirty-three. Had nine clearances, kicked a goal in the last quarter, and that was probably the most damaging display I've seen from Tom Mitchell in his career. Um, he was at his absolute best, and he he willed Hawthorne over the line. It has to be said, he was the reason. And there were plenty of heroes yesterday, but he, yeah, he was he put the Superman cape on, and he led the Hawks to victory. Well, two points on this, Nicholas. Firstly, I do agree with you because I think the most impressive thing for me was. Uh, 21 of his 33 were contested, which is very, very impressive for the mm. man who a lot of people like Gordo say he sits on the outsides, wait for the little handball and and then handballs it himself. But he actually went in there and got it. And he, did, and he trusted his kicking a little bit more he did. as well. So I, I like that. that. Second thing was though, Nico, I think I did see, because we've got a Google Doc, so I can see when you type and then when you delete. I think you did write James Sicily first, then he deleted it. Were you 50-50 on this? <laughs> I, I was a bit because Sicily did have 15 marks and I thought he was consistent all game. Same mm. with Newcomb. But I was like, no, you know what? When like the term hero, like I wouldn't say Mitchell was best on ground, mm. but hero, he put the cape on. Yes. And uh, he led Hawthorne to the win. He did. He did. Very, very nice from you, Nick. Were you there as well yesterday? I was. I was there sitting Good. in the Hawthorne Cheer Squad ends. And, uh, oh, did you? Yeah, really? Very vocal, as you can probably tell. I've lost my voice a bit. Yeah. But... Was your part, was, was Hannah with you? No, she wasn't. I was I was actually alone yesterday. I don't <laughs> oh, go to no. the footy alone much, to be honest. But <laughs> um, by yourself. Yeah, I had a couple of family members who had COVID and a couple oh, who were okay. working. Same with yeah. my partner working. So I, I went alone and there were tough conditions, but well done. sat out there in you the did, rain. You braved the weather. I'm proud of you. I did. Yes. Stuff. I'm also proud of George Hewitt because not a lot of people thought he was this good. We did think he was he was a pretty decent player, but you've got to give credit sometimes because Nico has absolutely um, launched into them in previous years, the Carlton List managers and the scouts, but they've got this right, surely with George Hewitt. Now, he is a halfback flanker who's basically changed into a full-time midfielder, and he's been terrific this season. And when you looked at that on-ball crew, Carlton, you had a glimpse of them, Mark Pittnett, Hewitt, Adam Chera, Matt Kennedy, all from different clubs, and they've all been selected perfectly, I think, for this mix that uh, Michael Voss wants in the end. So it worked really well for them, and he had 33 disposals. Disposals. He had 13 clearances, 10 score involvements. And I think when, you know, you looked at the midfield and you go, no Crips, who's the man who's going to step up in that role? It was Hewitt, 
who's done it uh, consistently now, but he also allows guys like Walsh to play a little bit more on the outside because when Cripps is in there, Walsh can do his business on the outside. So you had to have someone who's going to fill the void and, and George Hewitt did that. Um, I love what he did on the weekend. And uh, he's one of those players that you can say he's going to be a consistent performer. Sometimes he's not a 10 out of 10, but he's always going to give you around about an eight, I reckon. So I really, I really loved his impact and they did win just, they got over the line. Uh, if it wasn't for Hewitt though, they would not have won. They were up by 50 points at one time and at one stage and Port Adelaide came back. But if it wasn't for George Hewitt, the Blues would not have won. So he's my yeah. hero of the weekend. We'll be back after a quick break. Yeah, I, I really like, I, I loved Hewitt's game on the weekend. I've loved him all year. And um, you see this from a few plays actually where they, um, where, you know, they're, they're a good player at one club, but when they leave and go to another club, they really take their game to the next level. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure why. Maybe it's just, you know, a fresh start. Um, yeah, new environment, new role perhaps. And yeah, Hewitt's one of those players that's, you know, almost you can just about say he's been elite in these opening five rounds. So, yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah, great player, quality. Gordo, give me a highlight. There was plenty to pick from. And it is a long weekend when you look back. It started on Thursday, ended on Monday. Which one did you pick out from uh, this long weekend of Easter footy? Well, I hope the listeners appreciate that excellent segue. It was a long weekend, <laughs> a long way back, a forgotten Thursday. We had a humding of the game, probably mm-hmm. one of the games of the week, I reckon. It was good. Prison versus Collingwood. I think it's official. We can't sleep on the Lions. That performance, they got, they showed some things. They showed some things that make, you know, the to borrow Kingy's, you know, preliminary final index or whatever he calls oh, yeah. it, PFIs yeah. Yeah. on a Monday morning. They showed some PFIs. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the reason why it was so memorable is that Collingwood actually, you know, forced them to play some good footy and Collingwood's doing some some great things. Collingwood's yeah. mixing up their their list, mixing up their game day roster. Credit two to Frankie Boy, number oh, one mate. listener. I've got the video who did say that, that they yeah, won't be, you know, smashed by more than three goals. He was absolutely correct. They took it up to the lines. So well done to Collingwood, well done for Brisbane. Just a great way to start the long weekend. And yeah, we had tops and tails for the weekend, which is always nice because if the middle's a bit soft, who cares? You don't think you remember that. You remember the start, remember the end. That's all that counts. So yeah. that was my heart, a great start to the long weekend on Thursday night. It was a good start. And we I think we all said coming into this, where are the goals going to come from for Collingwood? Because that was the biggest concern. They did have a bit, a bit of a spread. I mean, to go and kick four, Kruger, McGuinness, Moore, Cameron, Dacos, Hoskin, Elliott, Mm. Wilson all kick goals. So that's a big spread. And it just shows you don't, I mean, I, I said that the biggest problem with Collingwood was they didn't have a, a key forward other than um, my check and who wasn't playing. So where are the goals going to come from? I guess you can use different avenues and they proved me wrong. Um, yeah. But yeah, they did lose at the end of the day. So I don't know how 
um, how consistent they're going to be with that spread of goal kickers. But still, good on them. And Frankie but also they right. lost to like the second best team in the competition. Exactly, at home. So that, that's where I think we get lost and not to jump to Sharp, we'll get there eventually about my chagrin about immediate reactions. But it seems that, you know, by round five, we get caught in this loop of one team awesome, other team sucks. And it's mm. like Collingwood lost, therefore, oh my God, they need to keep forward. Well, no, context. They, they lost to Brisbane. He's going to be, you know, a top four side this year. I would be very proud if I was a Collingwood member, which I'm not. There you go. But, um, yeah, but I would be. Not, to be honest. Kudos to wouldn't, Frank. We wouldn't speak much. Uh, Nicholas, mm-hmm. you chose a Hawthorne player for your hero, and you are a big Hawthorne man, very biased, <laughs> but you do your best not to be too biased. Surely do my best. you wouldn't have gone from the same game in your highlight of the weekend. What was uh, I just can't contain it, Jimmy. Oh, I can't geez, contain it. Don't tell me. You're right, Gordo. It was a good start to the long weekend, but it was an even better finish. Um, the Easter Monday Classic was my highlight, and it had to be. Like I just can't look past it. Um, I said it on Friday. I said it on Friday, and I'll say it again. Hawthorne and Geelong is the best fixture in the game at the moment. Um, I won't say rivalry because everyone has their own opinion on you know what the best rivalry in the game is. You got the showdown, the derby, the um, Collingwood Carlton, whatever. But I don't so think it's bigger than Antec, though, you reckon? Oh, mate. Yes, in terms of the actual contest, yeah, I don't think two teams um, have consistently produced the amount of quality and close games as Hawthorne and Geelong mm-hmm. in su- over such a long period of time. It's been like 15 years, almost 15 years, I think, of just close games, albeit, you know, one or two blowouts in there. But more often than not, it's a close game of football. And Gordo, you made the mistake on the Friday saying that um, uh, you you put your house on Geelong to blow oh, out yeah. Hawthorne. Yeah, you, you, you completely disregarded your homeless um, bum the um the history of these two teams and Hawthorne's old fashioned training tactics last week. He oh, said it wasn't going to matter. Geelong are going to smash him, and um, you can never doubt these two teams putting on a show. Um, not only on Easter Monday, but just in general. So, yes, uh, the game is better for it when these two teams face each other. It was, it was a fantastic uh, contest. I, I really enjoyed it. I think everyone who, who watched the game enjoyed it. Um, back and forth, heaps of storylines. And I liked – I did like it. I, well, did I say I liked it on the on the Thursday or the Friday? I did like how, how uh, Sam Mitchell said get the uh, mouth guards back in and, mm. and do some wrestling and see if that toughens them up for this contest. Now, he, he tried to brush it off, I think, when he was interviewed pre-game or just before, like a day or two before the game and said, oh, no, it's the kind of training we always do. No, it's not. That's crap. No, it is. It is because the kind of training they he, always do. That is, he, there's actually footage of Hawthorne doing it in round one and round three, the, the like same, injuring the, their losses. So it's the like same as Monday was a different. It was an aggressive. You guys let us down. Go out there and wrestle and prove me wrong. And they came. If you saw the start of that game, the way they came, contested and aggressive yes. at the contest, and the wet weather definitely the made a helped, difference. You know, absolutely. They were, they, were, they, were, they were losing every single measure in terms of contest and clearances leading up to that game. And I think it made a difference. Um, so that's my take on that. I thought it was a good game, though. So, um, it, so two things. Why, yeah. why are these games always close? Because it doesn't really make sense. It, it, you can't really pinpoint why. It's, I mean, you can say the it's rivalry, you know. <laughs> uh, just, yeah, I mean, because there's obviously been a large turnover of players over the last 15 yeah. years or so. There's no, you know, mm. Paul Chapman or whatever in there anymore. But And, like, there are Hawthorne players playing for Geelong now. And, like, 
it doesn't make any sense why anyone has grudges or any, anything like that. It doesn't doesn't work quite like that. So it's, all the fans it's, still. It's interesting, but yeah. Um, yeah, I can't yeah. really pinpoint just, it. You but... can't explain it. It's like, how does the Easter Bunny get into your house and deliver chocolates while you're sleeping? You never spot him. It just happens. You just can't explain it. Easter Monday. And then my second He's question quickly for Nico is obviously we've seen this year, five weeks in, mm-hmm. big game by Hawthorne, bit of a drop-off. Big game by Hawthorne, bit of a drop-off. Another big game. Are we expecting a drop-off next week? Against Sydney. Against Sydney. No, it's tough opponent. I've said this preseason. I've said it after every week. They're going to be inconsistent. They're going yeah. to. I'm expecting it. It's a young group. They're not going to put together, you know, half a season of consistent mm. football where they win by four or more goals every week. It's not going to happen. Um, yeah, who knows what we'll see next week? Tazzy, Anzac Day against a good team in Sydney. early start too. Go, yeah. you set your alarm for that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, they don't want the uh, the crossover between the actual Anzac Day game um, between mm-hmm. Collingwood and Essendon. But yeah, Gordo, I, yeah, it's just I, yeah, I can't, can't really explain it. can't explain. Lost for words. There you go. A lot of small forwards have left me lost for words this season. I, I just want to give them credit. I did love. I love the small forwards. Um, they never got enough credit. I think the last small forward to have enough credit was probably Nathan Brown. When he played for the Mighty Tigers, and I think they're coming back at the moment. Jack Higgins on the weekend, five goals. He had Dylan Moore. He kicked four, and I think they were all in the first half. Waitman, he kicked five. He kicked four in the first quarter against North. Josh Rochelle, he was fantastic again. He kicked two, but he kicked, he's kicked twelve this this season. And I don't think I've seen a young player with that much swagger and that much want for the ball in big moments. So really impressed with him and Shane McAdams as well. Who let's just uh, remind ourselves that he played two previous games in the sand for was injured at the start of the season. So his first game back, he kicks two as well, combines for four with uh, Rochelle. I, I think without those small forwards, Adelaide don't get over the line. And then the other small forwards that you mentioned before them, they're really having an impact. Um, like, in, And they're, they're working well. Like, for example, when we talk about Max King, uh, he's, he's the most targeted St. Kilda forward. But if he doesn't get it, the small boys are on at his feet and they're reading it well. Jack Higgins, bang, around the corner. And Nico was crying yesterday in the, in the first half when Dylan Moore kicked four. I mean, these are the guys that are winning games for their team. So I like to see the small guys doing well. Um, and it's been good. I thought this weekend was a, a clear highlight. So that was my biggest highlight of the weekend. Gordo, you're negative, you're pessimistic. Bring us down. What was the low light of the weekend? So the one negative about long weekend footy mm-hmm. is that because there's a game on every day, there needs to be a take about every game oh, for every day. The media. What have they done this time? They just, they just come up with goldfish takes or takes that don't make any sense just to fill space. And mm-hmm. I think you, you understand this. We're in this game as well, but luckily we just do two shows a week, one before the round, one after the round. We peel out the big points. When you have to do five shows in five days, I understand that's a tough gig. And sometimes a game just plays out like it should. But, mm. like, are Collingwood fans actually upset that they didn't play enough youngsters against Brisbane when they only lose by a goal? Like, like are, are Port Adelaide fans actually upset when Ken Hinckley doesn't declare their season over and says they should rebuild after no, the, another the, loss? That, that was that close. One was stupid. That one was real stupid. The um, the Ken Hinckley. I was actually going to ask you boys about this later. I'll ask. Yeah. Now. Sorry for interrupting, Gordo. But that comment, yeah, that really annoyed me. Like he said, there's still a chance. Like I'm not going to give up on the hope. What do you want me to yeah. come and say? Oh, finals are done. 
we're screwed. The, he can't win either way. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't like that take. Sorry for interrupting. No, that's okay. It makes and, and like he also backed it up with evidence. He said, you know, in his first year, they won the first five, lost the next five, still played finals. Doesn't matter when you lose the five. Like he's spinning in his direction, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. They're not in a great position. He's not trying to say that. He's just saying, I think we can still play finals because there's enough games left, mathematically possible. Mm-hmm. That's what he's meant to say. With the Collingwood example, oh, because you lost to Brisbane, if that game goes to kick another direction, the, the take is, oh, my God, Collingwood's rebuild's already happened and they're on the way to play finals. Like, it's just so reflexive and changes so much week to week. And I just think that the listeners, the, the readers, the watchers deserve better because I can understand more nuanced football chat. Mm-hmm. And then you get the next day, Adelaide beats Richmond because they play senior players, because they bring Tex Walker back, even though they are legitimately in the middle of a rebuild. And they say, oh, having senior players in your squad is so important for your rebuild. Mm-hmm. They, it, you have to be a goldfish to like participate in mainstream football media at the moment. And I find it very frustrating, even though it's already round five and apparently only one team can win it, it's going to be Melbourne. And when Melbourne doesn't win it, they'll still spin it their way and say, oh, we predicted this in round eight because that's when Sydney beat so-and-so. And so I just get left with like, it's a big weekend of football. I understand that it's hard gig to do, but it is your job. So give us something better than what you're giving us. That was the low low because it makes it really, really it stains the weekend for me. Or, you know, maybe I should just spend more time with my family and friends over a long weekend. I don't know. Maybe it's yeah, on me. Bit of both. No, I like that, Gorda. Very good. Yeah. I agree. I agree. With I agree. Said, to be honest. Very nice. Nicholas, you've yep. got heaps of low lights. Is this the first time you're not going to be mentioning the uh, Hawthorne Geelong game? Uh, well, kind of. Not oh, really. Oh, but <laughs> this was my low light a couple of weeks ago for you boys. Um, uh, what is it now? It's the the staging and the manipulation of free kicks. Like, obviously, the umpires have been a hot topic over the weekend. This isn't mm. going to be about the umpires, but you know, obviously, they've got a hard enough job as it is. Um, they, they're getting taught new rules from the AFL every year. Um, yeah, they've obviously got high-pressure jobs, and now they got they got to deal with players manipulating for, for free kicks, and that was obviously on show yesterday with Hawkins. It was also on show in the Adelaide-Richmond game. And then Curvis, I didn't like that little dive he took for the um, for the 50-metre penalty against Tex Walker, was it? Yeah, it didn't I get mean, paid. I mean, these are two yeah, guys. It was, yeah, it was bad. These are two guys who are, what, six foot four, six foot five. They yeah, similar weigh to 110 like, kilos. Yeah. Exactly. So they, they shouldn't be going down easy. It's such a bad look for the game. I hate using the C word, but it is cheating. At the oh. end of the day, it, it's cheating, it's frustrating, and it cons the umpires, unfortunately. And then you, you, you've got some other players playing for the too high free kick, and you know I don't think there's anyone better in the game at the moment than Waitman, and maybe even still Joel Selwood is the king of it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, and then obviously I, I spoke about the deliberate out of bounds a couple of weeks ago. These are things happening on a weekly basis, and. I mean, I used to, when I was growing up, I watched every game of footy as a kid and I used to love it. And now I try and watch a game of footy. I can't watch a game of footy now without getting frustrated because it's, it just, it infuriates me um, to see these, to see these decisions called, to see players actually, you know, taking dives. Like, why would you take a dive for a free kick? I don't know what's happening down at Geelong. I don't know what they're training at Cadinia Park, but it seems to always be them as well. <laughs> I mean, Hawkins, Salwood, Dangerfield. It was Dangerfield a couple of weeks ago, for crying out loud. Jimmy Bartel all those years back. 
God Almighty. <laughs> you have to bring Jimmy it, it annoys me. And you know what? When I was at the footy yesterday, I actually saw someone in the second quarter or whatever quarter it was when Hawkins took that dive. I saw someone pack up their bags, grab their kid, and and said, "Let's go." And they just packed up and left. That's how. <laughs> Fans are getting that frustrated and I'm getting frustrated and I'm well, sick of it. Um, Hawkins has to get, he has to get a week for that. At least something has to be done. Um, even Nankervis, something has to be done. Yeah, well, there you go, Nicholas. It's Hawkins, game, Jimmy. It, is it, Hawkins in the Lloyd, the Lloyd area now? Yeah, it, honestly, look, Hawkins has obviously had a marvellous career, but... This, this isn't the first time he's done this and it's starting to taint his image a bit, to be honest. When, when, I, when my kid one day asked me about what player Tom Hawkins was, I will think about all these dives <laughs> and all, these, all this manipulation. Of course you will. I'm sick yeah. of it. Not the greatest big body full forward player from 2000. He, he's a great player. Yeah. He's a great player. But this, obviously, we do look back sometimes and uh, think about some of the negatives some players have, like Ben Stratton. Jimmy used to, oh, Jimmy will always remember Ben Stratton for his pinching and stomping days. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, it's, it's not a good look. And from a champion of the game, from a player that, you know, kids look up to, well, these guys should be doing better. That's fair enough. But the only difference between him and Stratton is obviously the only thing notable Stratton ever did was pinch. Uh, so he didn't have any highlights to, to go with it. But oh, you know, a, it's different to, to uh, a different level I think. I've got a quick hey. question, Nico, there about the uh, fan that packed up and left. Mm-hmm. Was that were you? They, uh, were they a Hawthorne fan or a Geelong fan? No, they were Hawthorne. But, but if you want me to talk about Geelong supporters, I did see tweets. Uh, our friends at Chaps Chat Cats, they oh, weren't yeah. happy about it either. They didn't like it. They don't like it. They don't like it either. So I like those boys. They're good boys. They are honest, honest fellas. Honest fellas. I like him. I'm going to go with my low light, Nicholas, and you'll like this one because you hate the Dons, and they were my low light. Uh, I did pick him against Fremantle, and even if uh, look, I, I, it was a fifty-fifty genuine. I thought. Um, but that third quarter, they got overrun. It was uh, it was disgraceful. And it was because they're still searching for a brand. They're still searching for what they stand for as a club. Now, it was premature for them to make the finals last year, I think, but based on the way that they're playing the game now. Um, they're not tough enough. When they've been challenged this season, they haven't been able to match it. And in the third quarter alone, minus 14 in contested ball and minus seven in clearances, Fair enough, you go there, but you got to put up a fight, and they did not. And this is the 150th year of their club. They want to celebrate it, and they have had no celebration whatsoever. Like, they beat Adelaide, fair enough, but, geez, I mean, it wasn't that great. That was a shootout. That was the game that they wanted. The uh, yo-yo back and forth, end-to-end, that's fine. But when they've been challenged, no good. The the Dons are 18th, last in the comp for contested possession and ground ball gets, 17th, second last for clearances and pressure. What does that mean? That means they're downhill skiers for me. They work hard one way. And we did see bits of uh, vision from, from the, the weekend where they will push forward to support their mates because they want that free ball on the outside. But when they lose it, they're not running back hard. They're not putting in a big tackle or a big bump and making a statement. They're the easiest team to play against. And the, the, their own fans were booing them on the weekend, and I don't blame them because they rock up to the game to see. Look, a Frio side who were traveling, it's a golden opportunity here to, to kind of make a statement. And uh, they failed in so many departments. And that third quarter, go back to it. You just can't allow it just to happen like that. Um, it was disgraceful. So did not like that. That's a low, low light for me. Yes, and then Nico, you'll be happy with that. 
Well, I think we spoke about it last week. I think, was, were they your low light last week, Gordo? And then we spoke about yeah. him again. Yeah. And then we spoke about him again on Friday. I, I think I had Freo as my upset or the 50-50 mm. game. Um, I, di- I saw this coming. I'm just disappointed with Essendon this season. They they made finals last year. They lost. This year was meant to be the year where they take the next step. And it looks like they've taken two steps back. They are... They, like you said, they they look like an easy beat team. You go up against them. They've got um, hardly, a, they, yeah, they don't have a defense at all. Um, the, every time someone plays them, there seems to be a player that kicks four or five goals against them. Um, yeah. They they just got no answer defensively. Or racks up possessions too. Like you, they just don't have a body in there to, to kind of even to tag yeah. or just put some pressure on. Mm. They just get outbodied in the middle too easily. Mm. Yeah. I think that's the big the big change. I think. As much as the rules haven't changed too much, the game styles have and the teams that have a lot of contested balls and big bodies in the middle are seen to be dominating this year. And like even Carlton's rise, like Carlton's rise and Essendon's fall is kind of just purely on game style and list management. Like Essendon are all outside ball users that don't want to defend and Carlton this year are all big balls in the middle and they're like just going on grit. And it's funny because like the grit runs out, but if they do good enough earlier, if they do good enough early enough, they, they seem to get the win like they did against Port on the weekend, whereas Essendon, they'll never get the ball if they're not in there winning it themselves. So yeah. this is interesting how much how much the footy can change year to year. So Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think Stringer and Merritt might make a difference in terms of bodies, but still, I mean, every team has injuries. And, and I, I yeah. hate to say it, but maybe they should look at what the Hawks did uh, on Monday and, uh, and see that. You want to see some mouth gut action mouth down at uh, Windy Hill? At Windy Hill, I reckon. I think so. Hey, let's get to some tweets and emails. Now, we mentioned Frank Scalise sending that voice message last week, at Frankie the Pies fanatic, and he said, like you mentioned off the top, that if the Pies lose, it will be no more than by three goals. They lost by seven points. That's a tick for Frankie. That's one from one. The second one he had was his 50-50 game was West Coast and Sydney, and that was anything Oof. but. So that's a big fail. That was mm-hmm. not a 50-50 game at all. Sydney dominated close. from start to finish. And then he said Port to beat Carlton. They will not go 0-5. He was super confident. But they have gone 0-5. Not very good from Frankie. That's one out of three. But I, we, Gordo, will you challenge him again to send in his next one at the end of the week on Thursday? You know what? He can have it, he can have it either way, I reckon. Keep seeing us three games if you want. If you believe yeah. that you can bounce back from one and three, that's fair enough. Or... Obviously, he's proven himself to be the number one expert on Pies football mm. based on a sample size of one game. Yeah. So if he wants to throw in a, a longer form Pies one instead, yeah. I'd happily accept that as well. Okay, beautiful. I like it. Someone who else said, someone who, who said as well, Darek Asala, he said, I might send in a voice message, but he sent in a, a he might do that on Thursday, but he sent in a, a text this time. And he said, Gary Lyon described the 50-meter penalty rule for dissent as a crisis. Do you agree? Is the AFL in crisis because of this 50-meter rule? Boys, you go first. I've got a view on it. They have a they have a PR crisis, I reckon, in the sense that no matter where they go from now, they kind of, they're kind of stuffed because if they say, yep, that's the crackdown, if you look up at the replay screen and throw your arms up in the air and say, what was that for or whatever it was, and it gets called 50 meters for descent, then that looks over the top and super officious and no one likes it. But if they say, no, nope, we're sorry, we were actually too hard on that, we're going to wind it back a bit, then the reflexive media take will be AFL's going soft on umpire descent, they're not backing up our umpires, going to flow down into the grassroots, blah, blah, blah. So they're, they're stuffed either way. And I think they should just stick to their guns. Like if they actually, if they actually think that 
policing umpire descent at the top level, regardless how minor, will re- will reward grassroots and better behavior. Then commit to it, and that's your that's your tactic, that's your strategy. Commit to it and put up with the fire up top. Otherwise, you've shot yourself in the foot. I don't because, think it's yeah. I don't think it's a great rule look, and it, it will cost games. Everyone will get upset, but if that's what you think will work, then stick to it. But yeah. Nicholas is smirking away. No, I, I just I don't something. think I don't think it's sustainable. Um, I understand why they brought them in, but again, there there, there is a difference between dissent and you know abuse, uh, as opposed to arguing your case and giving feedback to the umpire. I think feedback needs to happen. Um, it helps umpires learn. It helps. But not in the game though. Umpires them. aren't like, oh, thank you very much, Josh Sisley, for that awesome no, but feedback. Just quietly, just quietly, if they think they made a 50-50 call and a player, um, you know, it could be like a Scott Pendlebury or something, someone with a high, you know, IQ of the game gives them a feed, uh, gives them some feedback, they might take it into their next decision. And, you know, it helps grow. But then, feedback but then, is good but then the you, yeah, but you hate the fact that like Scott Selwood has so much influence in the game. That's exactly the same thing. Like we say the same thing in all sports. If it's the wrong, if it's the wrong decision, and the umpire and the player is just telling the umpire, you know, maybe just don't do that next time, or be better, or whatever. Take it on board, then, pop it on the. But chin. then you're bringing up, just blow like, the whistle you're bringing up next week saying they got that decision wrong. That cost us the game because for the rest of the rest of the game, he got it all right because well, after it. Scott Talbot's time, actually, if you do this, that's actually the yeah, rule. But we, we want consistency, and I don't mm. think burying our heads in the sand and just awarding fifty meter penalties is the answer for that. Yeah, I, I think that there needs to be some health, a healthy relationship between player and umpire. So having a chat is fine. I think that's how yeah. you build rapport and. That's always been a part of it. The thing that I think crisis is a strong word, and I think it's been blown out of proportion. I mean, Robbo and Gary Lyon were both really, really strong on this and said, this is the worst thing we've ever seen. And I'll admit that on, on uh, was it Thursday? Yeah, the Brisbane game. I was shocked to hear the umpires say that hand uh, arms up, that's a 50 metre. That's the first yeah. I knew about it. I only heard about that this week. Mm. The thing was, I, the real crisis is that the, the participation from umpires in community level is terrible. Um, I don't want to sound like a nerd here and go back to this, but 2022, we saw the highest number of non-returning umpires on record in community sport. Okay, umpires don't want to come and compete. And it sometimes it's because of the people like Nico over here who just abuses them on social media and at the ground. Don't abuse them. I abuse uh, some Absolutely rules. hates them. And they don't want to, so they want to look after them and say, hey, there is a safe environment for you to come into. There's a good pathway here to the AFL. Be an umpire, you're going to be looked after. And uh, when you come to the AFL, you're not going to be abused by the players or the crowd, et cetera, et cetera. It wants to be a good look. The thing, the problem here is the, the definition of dissent, right? So we all thought at the start of the year, dissent is if you're swearing at an umpire or being really aggressive towards them, hey, that's 50. And we kind of all accepted that. But then they're trying to say now that it is the look of the game, right? So they don't want to see players... Um, being demonstrative or for people watching the game going, oh, well, these players don't respect the umpire. So they're like, well, how are we going to define this? So they've said now, it's come out, that arms up, questioning an umpire is dissent. If they're going to do that, fine. I don't agree with that, but that's fine. Do it. Pay it on Thursday like they did. But we saw about, I'm not joking, 30, 40 examples of players throwing their arms up and it not being paid 50. Mm. So how can you have that rule on, on Thursday, but then for the rest of the weekend, that's not the rule. So there has to be a clear definition of what dissent is. That's what you want is consistency, like Nico says. I think it, it's ridiculous. It's not a crisis, but it does need to be defined properly. I think there needs to be the work around umpire and umpire respect can't be flow down because I think 
the as soon as we go down the flow down effect, it's, it increases separation between like players and umpires because there are very few umpires that, to wear to the community. So it's like if you just say like we're going to enforce this rule at AFL and expect it to flow all the way down to grassroots, it won't work. But why? Why don't uh, you think that will work? Because it it still has that separation between like umpires who a lot of the time haven't played the game versus the players. Yeah. Whereas I'd love know. to see, and it's a bit of a wild card action, but I'd love to see more recruitment of like sub elite players for that level become umpires. Mm. Like I'd love to see people go to the VFL and the state leagues and get players that are on the cusp and be like, all right, do you want to play the rest of your life in the state league? Or do you want to get involved in AFL and become an umpire? Because you obviously have the elite knowledge of the game. You obviously have the elite fitness and you understand how to talk to players without being, being yelled at and getting hurt feelings. And you do the same. You go from the level below and say, do you want to get, um, get involved in the level above, which every player wants to do anyway. It's a, it's a different way of looking at it, but other sports definitely yeah. do it. Yeah. And that way you get people who understand the game. You get people who are respected by the players. And then you kind of build that rapport naturally as opposed yeah. to enforcing it for ridiculous rules where you throw your hands up or you, you say what yeah. for and you suddenly give away 50 minutes. I think it is a long-term thing though. I mean, like everyone does from, like it is a copycat thing as in like from, from community levels, they look at the AFL and they, they reflect what they see on TV and it's even with tactics and that sort of thing. I think it works, but even like if you want to um, kind of enforce this habit of not reacting to an umpire completely, like that's what they want to do. Decisions made, fine, just move on get angry about it later that's yeah. what they want it to be a habit and it to flow down so community levels umpire makes a decision like in union you know they call the the, the referee sir you know what i mean they don't know yeah, yeah. all. they call him sir and they, they want that top, top they of also all go to private school so it's different yeah, yeah it's well, different yeah, fine. I, know, I know that but i can see what they're trying to do i'd just rather they be but and also just one last point is is a warning 50 meter penalties really helping towards respect between the fans and the umpires i mean if, if anything that's causing more frustration well, the 50 is, but the, the end goal for them is not to pay 50s at all. It's just for the for the players not to mm. react. That's the that's yeah. the, the key. And I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's a tough one. I think arms up is a reflect that, especially, I mean, like, I can't speak without using my hands. It'd be so hard to, you know, change the uh, the uh, the reflex action of putting your hands <laughs> up for a decision. I think it needs to be, I don't know. It, there has to be a clear definition. Otherwise, it's not going to work. This one was from Adam P. Montes, and he was a, a regular who used to write in nearly every week. Nico, you'd remember him. Hawks yes, man. I do. He wrote to me specifically, said, mention this on the show. I'd love you to weigh in on this dirty act from Captain Koch. Now, Kochin received a $2,000 fine for kicking Taylor Walker. Now, on uh, text today on Triple M Radio Adelaide, he said, I tell you what, if the shoe was on the other foot, I would have been missing a month, he said, Tex Walker. Now, I'll get your thoughts on this, boys. So Cochin obviously got graded as, I don't know if you saw the kick. It was, um, he kicked out as the, they were kind of tussling. I think Tex went to, Tex bumped him over and he lashed out with his foot and, and clipped him. And it got graded as intentional contact, low impact and body contact. If you agree with that grading, it's a $2,000 fine. So I agree with that. It was intentional. It was stupid, but that's not a grading. Intentional contact. It was low impact. It was a little graze on the on the on the calf and body contact. I think it was stupid from Koch. And as a leader, you don't want to see that. But at the end of the day, Adam, he's not the captain anymore, so maybe he's got a bit of leeway. Still, I don't like it at all. I think it's a two thousand dollar fine. I don't think you should get a week from it. But I would not like to see that again. Hmm. Um, didn't didn't like that. The second thing for Tex, right? His comments there. Now he's saying that 
if the shoe was on the other foot. So he's suggesting, right? He's suggesting that there's some kind of, I don't know if there's some subconscious bias towards Cotrin because of his reputation. Well, if you're talking about reputations, text, then maybe you would uh, cop it because of your reputation. And you live by your reputation, especially when you're in the public eye. Now, if you want to talk about Texas's reputation, he's got a reputation for not having respect for anybody not just the opposition, but for anybody. We don't need to get into details there, but if you're going to come out and make a little comment like that on radio, I think you need to be careful because your reputation speaks for itself. That's my point on that. What about you yeah. boys? Yeah. I'd, if I was Tex, I'd just enjoy my nine goals too for the season and keep my mouth shut and keep yeah. playing good footy and maybe one day people will unfortunately forget what you did because exactly. that's a that's a bigger deal than copping a little nick of the stud on the shin. So. Correct. Oh. So playing the victim I didn't think was great from him. Jimmy, just going back on the Ben Stratton thing, I remember when he <laughs> did the stomp and the pinching, yeah. you wanted him sent to death row for that. And <laughs> not he, he, that was low Prison, impact. But not that was no, no, that was low impact and he mm-hmm. copped two weeks for that. Two weeks for a stomp. Now, how can be, you yeah, I agree separate here. the difference between the stomp well, there was a difference and an open-end deliberate he, kick? He consistently the, did that. He pinched, 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 yeah. stomp. Koch has form him. two. And Week before Koch a grand final, okay, gets, no, gets, it, gets a freebie because it's a now, grand I, final. I just want I your have, thought process, that's all, okay, because no, no, they, yeah. they say they're both intentional acts. Not, none yeah, fair enough. were, you know... You know, high that was content. that was graded as more. That wasn't low impact. That was a difference. This was low impact. It was. It depends on the grading. I mean, yeah, you could. Okay, the grading is wrong if a pinch is okay. less than a kick. But. Okay, there you go. Well, then if you agree with that, I was happy if you copped the week. I wouldn't mind. I don't yeah, like that act yeah. at all. I'm yeah. just saying the grading was given as that. Fine. He could have copped the week, and I would have been happy with that. I don't like that at all. He was frustrated. He got bumped over. That's what happens mm. at the end of your career. We talked about this. He's getting slower. Getting yeah. frustrated and he kicked out, and that was a reflex action. Stratton's wasn't. That was a calculated, yeah. I'm going to annoy this bloke and I'm going to do a dirty act. That was a the difference there. I wouldn't have minded if he got a week here, yeah. but but based on the grading they gave him, it's 2000 bucks. Yeah. But uh, like yeah. We, we, we obviously don't see these acts happen often in AFL. Um, if, if we see it more happen in the world game, obviously, and that that is an automatic red card and a three week suspension. Um, in soccer, and well, we, yeah, we don't see it often, a, but the, we cannot underestimate. If we you can cannot, soccer, if you bump uh, someone on the side, you get a red card, mate. Like, but it's, we can't underestimate uh, the consequences. Uh, what what can be caused by you know a studs up challenge to the leg? You know, it could have easily caused a massive cut on Texas' leg. Grazed him. Could have grazed him. Yeah, could have. <laughs> it's it's you, you don't want that. It's a bad look. Okay. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think right. he, well, I think want, he deserved a week. Ten weeks. Ten weeks. A week. He deserved a week. a week for that. Okay. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have been upset if you got a week, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I. I don't think he should have. Yeah. I'm happy with a $2,000 fine. 2000 bucks, Nico. Now, of course. You won't. Uh, um, yeah. Oh, Different story if he was wearing a Hawthorne jumper, though. That's all. Not really. <laughs> oh, anyway. Man. Says yeah, the man but... who's brought up Hawthorne in every single segment so far. <laughs> and I'll give you another Hey, they're newsworthy. Now. I can't help it. <laughs> Nicholas, it's our fans I viewed. But you've, you've talked about Hawthorne too much. Yeah, really, I think so that's enough. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you, I'll put the timer on, Nico. You've got 30 seconds to wrap up your thoughts and your emotions on Hawthorne's win over Geelong yesterday, starting from now. Oh, you're going to keep going. All right. 30 oh. seconds. Go. You wasted two already. Oh, I've already pretty much spoken about in the highlights. Uh, you can't underestimate a Hawthorne-Geelong contest, but I was extremely happy with the way Hawthorne bounced back after a massive uh, thumping last week against St. Kilda. The way they came out, they kicked the, their first three goals of the game 
came without Geelong even registering a disposal. Five so seconds. that was incredible. And so the way they finished the game, four goals to zero in the last term, they just look extremely fit. And I'm happy with how uh, they're tracking at the moment. Bang, 34 you know, seconds. Well, well done, Nicholas. You, you <laughs> love the red pen, Nick, eh? Yep. I want you to take out your green pen. Mm-hmm. Does Hawthorne play finals this year? Tough, tough one. Uh <laughs> I'm still going to say no. I'm, I'll still say no, but I, I, I had him in that ninth to 12th bracket at the start of the season, and I've, I'll keep him there for now. Before the yeah. show, Nicholas said to me, we won't make finals this year because the last few games will tank because we'll get a better draft pick, but next year we'll win the flag. Those were his words. <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised. I wasn't, I'm not surprised because you said it to me. Um, all right, closing questions, boys. This is the fun stuff. <clears throat> I want you to be strong on this. Should North Melbourne lose the Good Friday footy game? I'm going to answer your question with a question. Okay. When was the last time that North had a free-to-air football game? Free-to-air? God, would it be? I remember when they played a Sunday against Hawthorne. That wasn't free-to-air? The last free-to-air game they had was last Good Friday. Oh, last Good Friday. Yeah, okay. They literally get one game a year at the moment. Well, that's what you get what you deserve. Yeah, like, I think it's. I kind of think it's okay for Good Friday football to suck. Yeah, it's on during the afternoon. A lot of people have family stuff on. A lot of people have religious activities on. I don't think it's that big of a deal mm. in terms of for it to be bad. It's not Easter Monday. It's not Anzac Day. It's not Queen's birthday. Yeah, it's Good Friday. I think it's okay for it to them to have it, and then give it give the money to the Good Friday appeal and, and be done with it. Mm. Nicholas. I'm going to twist the question and say no team should be playing footy on Good Friday. That's I also like, good. I don't That's like it. I, and and Nico, at the moment, no no team is. If North Melbourne own it, then it's a training drill. I know, but they, they threw an extra <laughs> game on. actually two games on. Yeah, yeah they true, threw actually, an extra yeah. game this week. And I just think it's, it's forced, it's meaningless, and it's soulless. I, I think we can really do without the 20,000 fans showing up to Marvel uh, we can still donate to the Good Friday Appeal without a footy game on. Mm. And to be quite frank, uh, I think it's unfair on a lot of uh, people that have to work on the game that might be, you know, Christian or, you know, I mean, Good Friday is a very... Um, I was working Friday. Yeah, exactly. And it's a very sacred day for many people, for many players, for many coaches, for many staff, for the clubs, for the stadiums, for media. Um, and it's unfair on them that have to work. Uh, so I just think we can really do without it, to be honest. Mm, I, I, I agree. Uh, my grandmother wasn't happy I was working Good Friday. I tell you that much, honestly. Um, <laughs> I look, I would be happy with no Good Friday footy, uh, to be honest. But with North, now that they've given it to them, I don't know. It's hard. They've done a lot for the Good Friday appeal, and they do great work with the community. And I think the, the closeness of, I think the Royal Children's Hospital is like across the road from North base yeah so they do a lot of work there with them i like that they do it but could you still do that work with them and then maybe play on the saturday you know i think they could you know what? I, i'd even be happy just putting an extra game on easter monday if it if it makes them feel better well yeah i don't know i just i think there's two you know two days of no sports christmas day it's good friday i don't know that's what i like and i think caroline wilson made a comment that it kind of dilutes the uh good friday appeal you know yeah. I, I, I think it can be done. Especially without. being in Channel 7 uh, production as well. Mm. But yeah. I think North need to be competitive because you need to earn your stripes. 
and they need to earn those blue stripes on their jumper when they go out there and get absolutely flogged. And I, I don't think uh, there was a question put to David Noble at the end of the game in the press of the first one. Disappointed, you'd obviously be disappointed about the uh, the game, and he said, no, no, not really. I thought it was great the way we we came back into the game. Well, no, sorry, you should be disappointed because you shouldn't have had to come back into the game after that mm. shot and start. So mm. you need to earn your spots. But I wouldn't. This I is the this is those are the situations where I really wished that AFL had promotion relegation. Because yep. oh, mate. at the I moment now so, we're yeah. we're five games in and everyone's just saying oh it's all about the rebuild for North you know get another draft pick you know work yeah. out how you're going to do the trade thing it's okay to come last it wouldn't be okay to come last if you got relegated to yep. Division One and and, and then, now sorry and you wouldn't for- have nobody being like oh this is fine for our fans no <laughs> you would you would end up in the doldrums like mm-hmm. but yeah. that's I know different sports different histories whatever but it's just such a such a shame that. Even like other teams, like other teams are saying that Collingwood should start to double down their rebuild and play more youngsters. It's like because they lost to Brisbane. The same thing. If you're not going to win the flag, you may as well rebuild. That's the that's the shame of not having promotion relegation. Yeah, but that's yeah. a that's a side yeah. argument. That's it. We're we're talking about um, should North lose a Good Friday uh, time slot? They should lose their AFL license. Honestly, <laughs> I think it's the worst team uh, we've actually ever seen in the AFL. And I'm not even joking. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Gordo, 100%. Um, I would happily like to see the team in the VFL get promoted in, in the spot of North or get them shifted off to Tasmania. I'm sorry, it's harsh, but it's true. And now they're talking about a compensation pick because North yeah, is no, struggling. If you they get a compensation me? pick... Are you I'll, kidding uh, me? I'll boycott the game. No, I you, will you, not watch another they, game. They forced them, so they delisted bloody 17 players. They knew yeah. they were going through a rebuild. It's a force rebuild from themselves. Like anyway, uh, Tom Hawkins, he's the number one forward in the game. Don't care what Nico says. Uh, is Max King set to take over as number one after him? Is there anyone else uh, who you'd think would uh, slip in there as number one in the making? Yes. I mean, Max King's definitely up there. Mitch Lewis. It's, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's definitely between Max King, Harry Mackay, and Charlie Kerner. Mm-hmm. I think Harry Mackay's got more seasons under his belt to prove long-term success. Got a bigger than, body on him Max as well, doesn't he? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the Mackay argument. I think mm. so. I need to see more from Max King. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Ken Hinckley, oh, I asked you about this, but do you think he's dreaming to say they can still make finals? I uh, I kind of think they can. Oh, Gordo. I like these Based on comments. So I think... A lot of the time, yes, wins to use Nathan Buckley's language, it's a wins and loss business. Ooh, but is it? the percentage is what indicates wins and loss better than any other basic stat that you can get on yeah. the ladder. They're at 75%. So they're better than like the five teams above them. If they can start jagging some wins, and I know that they've lost to teams that they should have really beaten, which doesn't mm-hmm. help their case. But I still think Port are probably in that. Like on their list alone, they're at least, at least like six to 12. Yeah. So it's not impossible. Is it probable now? Absolutely not. But I think he's absolutely correct to say because oh. coming into the season, they were meant to be winning the flag, like in Ken Hinkley's eyes. So you can't yeah. go from being like five weeks ago, I thought we are going to win the flag to now we can't make finals. Mm-hmm. So I think he's, he's not delusional. It just will be a very tough ask. Yeah. No, well, his, his point was is, is that you can lose five games in a row and still make finals. And he says, oh, does it matter if they do it at the start of the season or the middle of the season or wherever? They can still lose five games. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't think they can. I'm putting a line through them because I think a lot has to do with the confidence. Um, and there's going to be now 
the pre- extra pressure on the coach yeah. and the players yeah. will start to think, well, are we going to be playing for him next year? I don't know the questions. I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of that has to do with the mindset. And I think when you lose the first five, Puts you behind the eight ball, that's for sure. Yeah, Nicholas, but they, big one from you. They didn't get completely oh, smashed every game either. Like if no, they, they if that if that if that game goes a kick a different way and they get a yeah. gut wrenching win over Carlton, everyone's like, oh, that starts their season the now. But they also were fifty points. points down at one stage. hundred percent, hundred percent. So it'd be the biggest comeback. They're playing for the coach. <laughs> They're all in for the club colours. Let's go, Port Adelaide. Like we'd have the power here on the have the pair on, you know, talking about oh, fans. Yeah. Ideas, I'd like so. to see the stats on how many teams that started zero and five ended up making finals. But I think that's something that does help Port is uh, the underperforming teams. I, I just think not un- underperforming, but I just think this is a very even competition, and they're still yeah. only what two or three games out of the eight. So exactly. Um, There's gettable teams like Hawthorne's currently in the eight, and that's no dig at Hawthorne, but Hawthorne oh, expected yeah. to finish in the funnels. That's limited and Port time. will probably still finish above in. Hawthorne, and yeah. Hawthorne are yeah. only three games ahead of him. So, yeah, uh, still yeah. a lot of footy to be played, but it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Yeah, boys, I don't know if you caught 360 last night, but Leon Cameron was on and he was asked directly, uh, Would he like to be the GWS coach next year? And he didn't say yes or no in his answer, but he did say, oh, it's a really good question. I'll read out the quote here, if you don't mind. I've been at the club for 10 years and been involved in football for 34, which is a long time. I think the sensible decision at the end of the year is to make that. The club has got to be happy with the next coach, whether that's me or whoever that may be. It's an appointment for the next three or four years. But equally, I love coaching at the moment, but I'm not silly either. I know where where it sits. Uh, I'm one four. I'm a realist. I need to coach really well over the next 17 games. Uh, he's not super confident, it doesn't seem. Um, if you're a player listening to that, do you say, hmm, well, my coach is not really confident that we can win uh, the remaining games that we need to uh, finish finals and have a good, uh, a good uh, outcome this season. Um, do they, does that give him confidence, boys? Do you think that's a coach who wants out? How many years is left on his contract? That sounds like a coach wanting to be fired for a payout. Yeah, well, I've been he, here for thirty. I've been in footy for thirty-four years. No, well, this is I've been at the club for ten. Contract. No, this is a. And I don't know. I don't know why he'd be talking like that then. Like he clearly doesn't want to be there then. That's not a coach that wants to be there. That yeah. language. Yeah, you know, we'll see how it happens. Do what you want. I understand. If, like that's that's a tide. That's well, a yeah, tide. To say person. it's a really good question as the first the, answer back, and to say that that's, that's he's not, not sure yeah. whether it's me or whoever else wants to. That doesn't seem. Like he wants to be there. That's just and and you know Kevin Shetty wasn't talking like that after fifteen years, and neither was Nathan Buckley after ten. Yeah. Neither was Brad Scott or or Chris Scott now or Ken yeah. Hinckley now. Like the difference between him and Ken Hinckley, same time at the clubs. Yeah. No. Before before Nico answers, there's always we talk about it with Sammy Duncan that that you you're speaking to your stakeholders when you do any interview, right? And he's speaking. The stakeholders include your players. So you're speaking yeah. to the players who would have heard that interview. You're speaking to the sponsors. You're speaking to the you're board. You're speaking to the board saying, basically, the board, go and on. the fans. Fuck me. Find and someone no different. confidence like, there. I mean, he, he did say, I, I will, I, I apologize for not reading out this last thing. He said, <laughs> if I can do that, which I'm really confident I can, then we'll have a really good decision to make at the end of the year. But that's as hard as he went in terms of. Yeah. And um, he's buried the lead there as well. If he had started off. With yeah, I'm really keen to see how the next 17 games go. I'm really keen to try and play a finals, which is what Ken Hinckley did. And you go, great, this guy's bought in. But he said, no, nah, great question. Yep. Actually, you know what I mean? Blah 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 blah. Yeah, I don't think he's wanting to bet that. Nicholas, would you, if you had to put times. your money or your house on it, would you would you bet that he was uh, staying there at GWS? He's gone. 
He's gone. <laughs> um, and the, the form the form over the next month will determine whether that happens uh, before the end of the season or at the end of the season. I think he's got two winnable games and two tough games. I think it's St. Kilda this week, Friday night, Toby Green's return. Yeah, yeah he's returned. Um, then Adelaide, you'd expect the Giants to win that. but Over there. Uh, over there, I mean, still. Richmond beat GWS and Adelaide beat Richmond. So exactly right. Um, and then Geelong, and then uh, Carlton. So four big games coming up, and uh, that'll yeah, decide his future. It will. Think. It will. Yeah. Who goes first? Hinkley, Cameron, or Noble? Hinkley, Cameron, <laughs> or Noble? Noble is uh, for a while. Oh, um, I, I, it'll be. I think it's going to be. Oh, actually, there's a lot of. Jeez, it's a good question. It's between Cameron and, and Hinkley. Um, pick your poison. Uh, I'd, look, that that uh, the comment doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence, but he yeah. has said from the start he's going to put it off to the end of the year. He's, he's never wavered on that. I think Hinkley goes first. Two horse yeah. town. There's a lot more fans putting pressure on. If, if they lose another couple of games, Port, I reckon, bang, I'll make that decision. I'm backing Kingley at home. Yeah. Come on, Hinkley. Take me to finals, baby. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> yeah, Last one, boys. Fun one to end off. Uh, were the Hawks fans right to boo Isaac Smith? I thought it was very, very disrespectful to oh, be a premiership rest. champion. Even if it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, come on, mate. He's delivered the gold for Give you. Me. He's a Give good me. man. Mate. Disrespectful. Disrespectful, please. We're allowed to have a bit of rivalry in the game. Come on. We oh. we know. Hawthorne supporters know that they love, deep down, they love Isaac Smith. They're going to be watching his... Grand final highlights for years to come. There's no doubt about that. But when a ex-Hawthorne player moves to Essendon or Geelong, you got to expect what's going to come for you. And we again, like we love Isaac Smith, but for those three hours we're playing Geelong, an arch rival, on Easter Monday on a blockbuster fixture, mm. Hawthorne fans will be thinking in their head, hey, Isaac, we're going to give you a hard time. We're not going to forget what you did. You, you crossed to the dark side <laughs> and we're going to make these next three hours hell for you. And I think he loves it as well. It was a bit of a raw smile from him as well when he was lining up for goal. So, mate, don't don't kill the character in the game. Don't kill. Um, yeah, don't, rivalry exists. We're allowed to have a bit of fun. And if it offends you, if you find it disrespectful, get a glass, fill it up with cement, and harden the bloody hell up. <laughs> Honestly, I think it all depends on context too. Like, literally, the only thing Isaac Smith's done wrong to Hawthorne fans is moved it on. And I think that makes sense. There was no malice in it. It yeah. was just a bit when you're of booing fun. someone because of their beliefs or their race or their whatever it is, then that's obviously very wrong. But this is just like pantomime, and it's, again, like you would have to be an, an idiot goldfish to be like Isaac Smiths are nothing for us. It's like he literally did marvelous things for Hawthorne against Geelong in finals before, yeah, and they forget it pretty they, quickly. The Hawthorne fans, oh. they <laughs> Very good, Nico. Hey, very good, boys. That was a lot of fun. Everyone get involved. Hashtag Fully Live. You can send emails. You can send whatever you want. We'll read it out here. We appreciate you joining us. It'll be another big week full of content. We'll be back on Thursday to preview the upcoming round six. So tune in then. Uh, until then, take care of yourselves.